we all know a guy who only occasionally shaves for big occasions, and it's because that occasional shave really hurts. It's the time of year for big occasions, and yet there he is, suffering with that cheap drugstore razor. Let's help him out. Henson Shaving's line of razors, built with aerospace precision, deliver a smooth shave your dad, brother, and even son can enjoy, eventually. With replacement blades just 10 cents each, you'll buy it once, and they'll use it for life. How's that for the perfect gift? Celebrate with 100 free blades on your first purchase, and no subscription headaches. HensonShaving.com slash holiday. Ah, feel the whoa with Listerine at BJ's. You can save $2.50 now on Listerine products like Total Care Anti-Cavity Fluoride Fresh Mint Mouthwash or Cool Mint Pocket Packs Fresh Breath Strips at your nearest BJ's location. Experience the feeling of a million germs zapped in seconds with Listerine. Discount available through December 24th. Save now only at BJ's. You're about to experience a life-giving message from Bishop Kevin Foreman, pastor of Harvest Church, one church in global locations. To find out more about Bishop Foreman and Harvest Church, visit our website at www.harvestchurch.church. Your faithful giving is how we continue to bring life-giving messages like these to you. Give online in our mobile app or text the word giving to 59769. Remember to love God, love people, and love life. We're taking over. Together, it's right there at the bottom of the screen. Let's say it together, y'all. I am unconditionally loved by God and at Harvest Church. I am in my year of acceleration, accelerated progress, accelerated faith. This year, all I do is win. In Jesus' name, Selah. I want you to go to this scripture with me, First Chronicles, First Chronicles chapter 11. First Chronicles chapter 11. We started this new series on Sunday called Fall For It, and uh, we're going to take it another further tonight. These next few messages I'm going to be setting you up, we'll be, uh, by this time next week, we'll be in a brand new spiritual year. 5778 will be over, and I don't know about you, but I'm excited about 5778 getting the heck up out of here. Not because it was bad, it was actually record-breaking. Uh, I'm just excited because uh, 5778 was preparation, 5779 is manifestation. Which means all the stuff I've been preparing for, I'm getting ready to see it. All the stuff I've been preparing for, touch your neighbor and say, everything you've been preparing for, you're getting ready to see it. Yeah, yeah. All that seed you gave, and you're like, where's my harvest? But it's on the other side of next Wednesday. I said it's on the other side of next Wednesday. First Chronicles chapter number 11, verse number 22. It says, Benaiah was the son of Jehoda, the son of a valiant man from Kabziel, who had done many deeds. Here's the problem we have in America right now, is that people want rewards for not doing nothing. They want a participation in award. They want a I showed up award. They want I'm a millennial, so I'm owed some award. They want I'm a Gen X, so I want some award. They're, I'm a baby boomer, so I want some award. They're, I'm a, Cause I'm breathing, I'm owed something. Touch the name and say, don't nobody owe you nothing. Say, including God. If he does nothing else, when he hung on that tree 2,000 years ago, what he did was sufficient. It's still there. What he did was sufficient. Touch your neighbor and say, if God does nothing else, what he's already done was sufficient. He says he had done many deeds. In other words, he got some stuff done. He had killed two lion-like heroes of Moab. He'd gone down. I love this part of the Bible. He also had gone down and killed a lion in the midst of a pit on a snowy day. 
I, if you've ever heard me teach on him before, you know I, 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 I like Benaiah. He killed a lion in a pit on a snowy day. <laughs> That's a bad boy. He, he was like, wait a minute. I don't care that it's in a pit. I don't care that it's cold. I don't care that you're a lion. You got my way, so I'm about to take you down. Verse 23, and he killed an Egyptian, a man of great height, five cubits tall. In the Egyptian's hand, there was a spear like a weaver's bee. And he went down to him with a staff, wrested the spear out of the Egyptian's hand, and killed him with his own spear. Look at me. He took his enemy's weapon and then used what his enemy was trying to use against him. He used his enemy's weapon to kill his enemy. Let me tell you why some of you, God hasn't gotten rid of your enemy. It's because you've not yet taken their weapon. You've not yet taken the weapon of the things that have opposed you. And because you've not taken their weapon, God says they've got to still stand because the thing you're going to take them down with is the thing they were using to try to take you down. You'll, you'll catch that in a minute. You'll catch that in a minute. Watch this. Verse 24. These things Benaiah, the son of Jehoda, did. Look at this. And then he won a name. He didn't get a name just because he showed up. He didn't get a name just because he was born. He, he, he got a name because he had did something. Okay, just lay your hands on yourself. Say, what you want requires more than what you're doing. Now, this is a Wednesday, so I, I just figure I can cut through, the, cut, through the, cut through the sugar and get right to the point. Are y'all here? Uh-huh, uh-huh. Uh, lay your hands on yourself one more time. Say, what you've asked God for requires more than what you've done. Say, but tonight. These things Benaiah, the son of Jehovah, did, and then he won a name amongst three mighty men. Indeed, he was more honored than the 30, but he did not attain to the first three. And David appointed him over his guard. In other words, King David said, I can trust you. I'm going to put you over the people who guard me. In other words, he said, I'm going to give you the most important position in the kingdom. The most important position in the kingdom isn't even the king. It's the one that controls what the king gets. It control, It's the person that controls what the king sees. Are you hearing what I'm saying? Now, say preparation is never wasted time. Now, now to everybody... Who you've looked over a lot of stuff you've been through and you're like, I wasted time with this, I wasted time with that, that failed, that failed, that was a disappointment, that was a mistake, that was a mistake. You've been looking at it wrong. Nothing up to this point in your life has been wasted time. It has been, watch this, it has simply been seed that was sown. Alright, you're not even hearing me. Say, nothing was wasted. It was just sown. In Jesus' name. Father, customize, tailor, make this word for us, your people, tonight, that we will move and walk in those things that you have ordained. As we're in this new series, tonight we're going to go deeper and realize that the mistakes, disappointments, and failures we've seen, what they were really doing was preparing us. And preparation is never wasted time. It is just like rehearsal. It's just like practice. The preparation takes longer than the actual game itself. But the preparation ensures that when we get to the game, that we win the game. Tonight, thank you for redeeming the time that we thought we wasted in our minds. We were not wasting it. It was seed that was sown. And we thank you for it now. In Jesus' name, everybody shout hallelujah. 
You can be seated in the presence of the Lord. I want to teach this moment uh, from this thought. Preparation is never wasted time. Say that. Y'all talk to me like an army. Say preparation is never wasted time. On Sunday, Wednesday night, we started this new life-giving message series uh, called Fall Forward. It was aimed at learning from the Bible how to maximize failure, uh, mistakes, and disappointments. All of us have had all three of those things, and if you've not had those things, that means you've not tried to do anything. All right, now, all of those words can be grouped together as falling, uh, which metaphorically is failing. And here's what's clear throughout the Bible and in life. Many people never properly process failure. So rather than experience failure, they become failures. And we learned on Sunday that failure is defined as the state or condition of not meeting a desirable or intended objective. In other words, I was shooting for A, but I hit C, which means I failed. I was headed for one, but I got to seven. That means I failed. I did not hit the entire objective or goal. And the reality is, is that we will all fail at something at some time. But there's a decision that we learn we have to make on someday, and that's to fall forward. And that's one of the benefits of being a Christian. See, when you don't know Jesus, when you fall, that might be all of the story. But when you know Jesus, when you fall, that's not all of the story. That's just the next chapter in the story. Why? Because Romans 8.28 says that he makes all all things, even my failures, work together. Y'all not talking. He makes all things work together, even my mistakes. He makes all things work together, even my disappointments, for the good of them that love the Lord and are called according to his purpose. Which means the good, the bad, and the ugly are all working together if I choose not to fall down, not to fall backward, but to fall forward. Say, I'm falling forward. Now, falling forward, there were three things I taught you on Sunday. First, it finds a way. In other words, you will find a way through the grief process that happens. Whenever you fail at something, it's a loss. Whenever you have a disappointment, it's a loss. And as human beings, we process loss through this psychological process called grief. Grief has five stages we learned on Sunday. And here's the trip. In one area of life, you can be good. In another area of life, you can be at stage two grief. In another area of life, you can be very angry. This is why when you talk to certain people about certain things, you see their emotions shift. It's because in certain areas, watch this, they're good, but in other areas, they're still grieving. In certain areas, they've conquered. In other areas, they feel like they are being conquered. This is the reason why you can never allow yourself to fall into the trap of stuffing everything in. Why, Bishop? Because when you try to stuff everything in and internalize everything, what you're going to do is you're going to self-destruct from the inside out. This is why the scripture says in James chapter 5 that if you will confess uh, our, our, our trespasses one to another, that there'd be healing. What's the significance? Sometimes I just need to talk through what I'm going through, not even because, watch this, I need you to say anything back to me. Sometimes I just need to get it up out of me. It's kind of like, please forgive this analogy, but you'll understand it. It's kind of like being constipated. I don't need you to say nothing back. I just need you to receive. I wish y'all would catch it so I don't have to get any more graphic than that. Whenever you're constipated, naturally, you don't act the same. You don't treat people the same. You're irritated. You're agitated. You're irritable. And this is how many humans are. Their emotions are up and down and all around because they're so full of their failures, disappointments, and mistakes. And they've never talked about it with anybody. And because they've never talked about it with anybody, they pop, snap, crackle on anybody that shows up. Are y'all still here? Now, Fall, failing forward and falling forward finds a way through the process of grief. The second point I gave you on Sunday, I'm just telling you where we were on Sunday, and we're going to go to new stuff in a minute. Uh, falling forward fuels success. In fact, the main ingredient to success uh, is actually failure. And we call the role on Sunday. We looked at all these different people naturally and all these different people in the scripture 
where their failures and their falling actually fuel their success. It's one of the main ingredients. Here's what we have to be tempted, uh, we have to be careful not to do, is to have too much of that ingredient. There's some failures that were unavoidable. There's some failures that we step right into. Don't confuse it with God wanting me to go through that when you just decided to just do it Oh, because you just was going to just go do it. Are y'all hearing what I'm saying? The third principle we learned on Sunday, again, get the message if you weren't out here, was that falling forward focuses you. And we talked about in the scripture how the scripture says in Ecclesiastes, Ecclesia, written to the church, it says to church folk, it says that through wisdom comes success, but that wisdom comes by grief. In other words, the things that give me grief are the things that actually give me grace. What's grace? It's a supernatural empowerment to make easy what's hard for others. Mm -hmm. It is the ability now for me to go through hell and come back licking an ice cream cone and not look like what I've been through. Can we just pause for the cause for one moment on this Wednesday night? And would you just shake your neighbor's arm like you're going to shake it off and say that grief actually gave you grace. That's what it did. Yeah, yeah, yeah. When they lied on you, it actually graced you to say, you know what? I'm still living after a lie. When they betrayed you, you're still living after betrayal. What they did to you actually gave you grace to realize there's life after this. In 1 Chronicles 11, there's a man named Benaiah. I like Benaiah a whole lot because in his, in his story, it's summarized in just a few verses, but there's so much meat. In those few verses, and I like his story. And so in First Chronicles chapter 11, there's this man named Benaiah, and Benaiah's name means this in Hebrew. That's the language of our Old Testament. And I encourage you, if, if you never heard me preach about the importance of names, that you go find out what your name means. Because every time somebody calls your name, they are actually saying more than your name. They are prophesying something to you. To prophesy means to foretell and foretell. In other words, it means I'm telling you what's going to happen and watch this simultaneously. I'm speaking what's going to happen into existence. I'll say it again. Foretell and foretell. See, foretell is like I can tell you what's going to happen. Foretell is I'm bringing forth what will happen because I said it. In other words, prophecy is self-fulfilling because I said it. It will be, but it'll be because I said it. So then every time somebody says your name, that's what you shall be, and that's what you shall be because that's what they said. Did you get it? I touch your neighbor. Just talk to him. Talk to him real quick like you're from the hood. Just say, what's your name, y'all? No, y'all didn't say it like I said it. No, not is. I heard S's. I heard S's. Say, what's your name, Ill? Ill. Ill. What's your name, Ill? Now, 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 now. His name in this, his name literally in Hebrew means this, whom God builds up. Whom God builds up. That's the first definition. But Benaiah has two definitions. Here's the second definition. Son. There's a lot in his name that's implied. Benaiah wasn't immature. He was a son. There are four levels of spiritual maturity to which one can attain. And every level of spiritual maturity doesn't come with a title. It comes with maturity. You can be minister this, deacon this, elder this, pastor this, bishop this, apostle this, and still be just as dumb as a box of rocks and just as immature as you want to be. But now you're dangerous because you got power. A title does not mean maturity. A degree does not mean maturity. I know lots of people with more degrees than a thermometer and they ain't nothing but a four-year-old. A position doesn't make you mature. You can have the highest position in the nation and still be a child. 
I'm just saying it's possible. Touch your neighbor and say, that's possible. It's possible. You, you can be the king and still be a child. When it says son, it's implying something. Four levels of spiritual maturity. Let's figure out which, where you're at. The first level is multitude. Multitude people come to God and the church for what they can get. When Jesus was healing folk, the crowds were big. When he started saying, eat my blood and my body, and they, they thought he was talking about cannibalism, they thought he literally meant, come eat some of me. <laughs> so let me get this straight. <laughs> so you're going to cut yourself and we're going to drink it. No, nah, I'm out. I, I, just, I don't want to be saved. I'll just go to hell then. When he was giving out uh, fish dinners, crowds were big. Okay, we used to do this thing at Harvest called Super Sunday. And on Sundays, folks would cook and all that and bring in all that. And I, it was amazing to me how many people's bishop I was that I'd never met. They'd be like, they'd be like girl, this is my bishop. I'd be like, hello, how are you? Good to meet you. Yes, wonderful. Here's the deal. Because whenever you're giving free stuff, so when Jesus was healing and giving free stuff, the crowds were big. When Jesus started saying, be my disciple and follow me, they were like, eh, wait a minute now. The crowd will always be big if, if you're giving free stuff. For many of you, you don't have friends. You have freeloaders. They both start with F. They both start with F. They both start with F. You pay for lunch and they count on it. Stop paying. Multitude, they come for what they can get. There's always a crowd when there's something free. There's always a crowd, watch this, if, if you're uniting around a common enemy that takes the blame off of me. So even in America, you can see where crowds will gather around common things that take the blame off me and let's blame these people or those people or them or that. Let's blame them and let's do this and do that because, because that's fun because it ain't my fault, it's their fault that my life is the way it is. That's multitude people. There's the second level of maturity. Say second level. The second level. Y'all like an army tonight. Say, I preach to y'all like this. This is good. Second level of maturity is sheep. Spiritual maturity we're talking about. Sheep. In the scripture, a pastor and those he leads, a pastor and his people, Jesus and his church. That relationship is referred to as a shepherd and sheep. The parallel there is very interesting because sheep do not see very well. In fact, in the natural, sheep are virtually blind. Bah! Got it? They have to rely, whenever one set of senses is diminished, the others have to pick up to carry the slack. So they have a heightened sense. Somebody say heightened. They, they have a heightened sense, watch this, uh, because they do not, uh, uh, hear very, or see very well, they have a heightened sense of hearing. So the scripture says, a sheep know the voice of their shepherd and a stranger they won't follow. Okay, now check this out. Th this sometimes even happens uh, in church because people will say, well, I know what Bishop would sound like, but you don't sound like him, which is why I have such a tough time following you. <laughs> so you may be the upline, but you don't match the front line, so I don't know. So, 
because that, that ain't how he operates. That's not excellent. That's not, that's not the way that's supposed to be. So I know you are there, but see, I'm having a problem following your voice because your voice ain't the voice of my shepherd. But stay in order anyhow, but, but check this out. He says, my sheep know my voice. When sheep would go out and they'd graze, how did one sheep know the difference between who they, their shepherd was and who somebody else's uh, shepherd was? How, how did they know? That's my shepherd. That's my shepherd. How did they know? Well, every shepherd made a distinct sound such that when they made this sound, the sheep that were his would be drawn to his voice. And if they heard a stranger's voice, they wouldn't even respond. Which is why when you heard my voice somehow, some way on YouTube, on an app, somebody gave you a CD, something in you said, now I'm finna go over there. I don't know nothing about him. I don't know what that V means. I'm not really even sure. I was trying to get out of Denver anyhow, but let me see. Well, I'm, what? B because I just heard the voice of the shepherd that I've been assigned to. And that's what the Bible says in Jeremiah chapter 3. I'll give you pastors after my own heart that will feed you with knowledge and understanding. In other words, God picks people and assigns those people to a pastor. And then those people become the sheep of that pasture. And together they're an unbeatable team. Say unbeatable team. Now, now here's, here's what's significant. With sheep, sheep sometimes have a tendency to wander. Because unless the voice is always speaking, they lose focus. So, so, so because the voice is silent sometimes, saying, well, what did I say last? Sheep sometimes have the tendency to go wander because, watch this, the voice isn't always speaking. So, so, so watch this, Jeremiah 3.15, they'll pick it up for you just real quick so you can see it. Here it is very quickly. They'll put it on the screens, and I will give you, and I will what? Give you. So God says, me giving you a pastor is a gift. Now, I'm not being pretentious. I'm just teaching you the word. According to my heart, what's heart in scripture in Hebrew? Lev, mine. God says, I will pick who you need best in my mind. Because God knows you're strong. And strength needs strength. You couldn't sit up under some weak milk toast guy just, good morning, everyone. Let's worship Jesus together. You'd be like, yeah, he cool. Yeah, all right. Nothing against that. But God says, in my mind, you need something different than that. Because that's what the scripture says. That's what the scripture says. Somebody say, that's what the scripture says. Good catch. That would have been funny, though. No, I would have laughed. I would have made a joke out of it. I would have made it into the message. Sometimes you can be backing up and not even know what's around you. <laughs> and we fall down. But we get up. <laughs> now, so sometimes sheep would wander. So a shepherd would have a shepherd's staff. At the end, there was a big hook that he'd use to grab the neck of the sheep. And at the bottom, it was hardened wood, so he'd use it to break the legs of the sheep when the sheep was wandering and rebellious. What does legs represent? It represents our will. So, so, so all of this is from Benaiah's name. See, Benaiah was this fourth level of maturity. The third level of maturity is servants. Servants are people who come to church not for what they can get, but for what they can give. 
I'm not coming to just withdraw. I'm coming to give. Uh, President John F. Kennedy said this. Ask not what your country can do for you. Ask what you can do for your country. Let's put it in the church. Ask not what the church can do for you. Ask what can I do for the church. Okay? That's maturity. Because multitude people ain't trying to do nothing for the church. Multitude people like, uh, look, when y'all going to get that food bank back on premises? I know we're supporting the other one, but when are you going to bring it back? Then against that, everybody's got to go through maturity. So everybody has to mature. Here's the fourth level of maturity, and this is what Benaiah was. He was a son. It's called spiritual sonship, and it automatically includes women. Okay? It's, God is not sexist, so he's not excluding women. He's just been very specific as to how there's to be leadership. Okay? All right, so, so, so don't, don't get all twisted with that. All right? Okay, okay, I'm going to leave that alone. It got super quiet. It was so quiet right there. Oh, my God. Okay. Say son. Spiritual sons and daughters, their connection to their leader is very different. Their connection to their leader is that they have a level of commitment and loyalty that says, I'm assigned to that man. So my assignment to that man, and if you look at it, it's all throughout Scripture. Moses, Joshua, Paul, Timothy, Paul, Titus, Elijah, Elisha, Elisha, Gehazi. Y'all didn't know him. They're like, I don't know that name. I don't know him. He knew. <laughs> Is that on the test, Bishop? Is that on the test? That's new. All throughout Scripture. Everybody is assigned, according to 1 Corinthians chapter 4, everybody is assigned to a spiritual father. But every man of God is not a spiritual father. So you say, Bishop, I've never heard this concept before. You wouldn't because everybody's not assigned to do it. That's kind of like your English teacher getting up and saying, okay, now X plus this. And you say, well, why are you teaching what you're not? You can't teach what you're not. And that doesn't make you bad. It's just that's not what you're assigned to do and to be. The role of a spiritual father, father means life giver. That means his job is to speak life into those that he leads. His job, a teacher teaches you how to do good tasks. A teacher teaches you what to do. A father teaches you who to be. There is a difference. See, a task, I know how to do this task. This is what I'm supposed to do. Okay, do this, do this, do this. But what happens when the book don't look like this? It's another book. What a spiritual father will do is teaches you who to be. So when you learn who to be, even if the book looks like this, I know what to do because I wasn't taught tasks. I was given identity. So because I have identity, I know what to do here, there, everywhere, anywhere, because I know who I am, not just I know what to do. Now, 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 those are the four levels of maturity in the scripture. What was Benaiah? A son, which means he went through a process of maturity. So just all of that is from his name. He went through a process of maturity. And here's the deal. Everybody has to mature, and you will do it voluntarily or involuntarily. Now, let me go ahead and deal with some of the questions that might have popped in your head. Well, Bishop, I don't know about that. I, I just, we're all children of God. That's not in the Bible. We're all his creation. We're not all his children. The scripture says, as many are led by the spirit of God, these are the sons of God. Which means, watch this, if you do your own thing, you are not his child, you are his creation. There's an opportunity to be his child. But, 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 but the scripture makes it very clear. Here's another question uh, that sometimes comes to people's mind. Well, Bishop, what does all of that really mean practically? Well, see, it's kind of with the process of maturity. When you know what to do, you know what to do. 
In other words, there are certain things I don't have to be specifically told ABC because I know who I am, so it becomes very clear what to do. Let me give you an example. Ladies, there are certain things that in your preparation process, that four-hour process in the morning, I'm just giving you a hard time. There are certain things you didn't see your mother do. There are certain things you, you, she didn't say, do it like this. There, there are certain things, maybe you didn't have a mother, whatever your situation is. There are certain things that were not there. There are certain things that when you understood what you were and who you were, it came out of you naturally what to do. Are you hearing what I'm saying? So, so, so check this out, check this out, check this out. One of the things, when I was coming up in church, one of the things I was never taught about was the importance of honor. Never taught the importance of it. And, and, and I just always, though, innately had this thing in me that said, well, like, why is it so sloppy? Like, where's honor? But I'd never been taught that. But because I was son. I knew that there was something different and higher that needed to be done. Benaiah was the highest level of spiritual maturity. All of that from his name. Now, that, I, that was the majority of the message. <laughs> Say he was mature. Also, watch this. He was bold. Benaiah wasn't waiting on something. God has not called you to sit back and wait passively. He's called for you and I to be bold. Say bold. These are things that sons are. He was relevant. A relevant individual knows, watch this, how to follow and how to lead. See, Benaiah was subject to David, but when David said, boom, it's your ball, he knew how to call the shots. All right? Say he was wise. His wisdom gave him a position of great power and tenure. He lasted. The real test of your effectiveness is not getting promoted. It's keeping promotion. The real test of your effectiveness isn't getting a breakthrough, it's maintaining a breakthrough. I wish I had some folk in here where, where you would look back over your life and say, there was some stuff I got, but my actions didn't allow me to keep. Well, here's the good news. That was then. This is now. If God still got breath in your body, God says you got another opportunity and another chance. Say he was bold, relevant, wise. He was a son. He wasn't coming to David to get something from David. He said, David, as long as you live, sir, where you at, that's where I'm at. Where you go, that's where I go. He says, I'm not a multitude, David, trying to get something from you. I'm not a sheep where you got to keep talking or I'm going to leave. I'm not a sheep where I got to have all this one-on-one -on -one time or I'm out of here. And I'm not a servant where I just, uh, I'm coming to get, give something. I've matured to the highest level of spiritual maturity, David, which says I am connected, I'm committed, I'm loyal, and let's do this thing. Let's rule, reign, conquer, and subdue. Somebody say he was a son. So when he was a son, that made him bold. Some people wonder why you struggle with insecurity. It's because you're not mature. You're a multitude, so you're insecure because amongst the multitude, you don't see your difference. But if you'd mature to a, a sheep, servant, son, it makes you bold. It makes you relevant. It makes you wise. And here's the last thing he was. He was prepared. Say prepared. See, because he was a son, that made him prepared. And preparation doesn't mean experience. Check this out. If you always have experience, then you've always already been where you're going. Beniah was not experienced. He was prepared. And I'm here to tell you, the person sitting in your seat, they may not have experienced for their next.
but they are prepared for their next. All right, just lay your hands on yourself. Say, I may not have experience for next, but I'm prepared for next. See, see, watch this. The scripture says in 1 Corinthians 11 that he killed two lion-like heroes of Moab. Moab means from the father. Here's what that means. Benaiah took down two generational curses, check this out, that were huge. They were lion-like heroes of Moab. I need you to catch it. Moab means from the father. What is it implying in the scripture? These were generational things that were passed down generation to generation to generation. And Benaiah had to look at them head on and take down what took down his daddy. And take down what took down his mama. And take down what took down the generations that came before them. I'm going to tell you, when you mature to spiritual sonship, you're going to be able to look at some stuff that took down everybody else in your bloodline and start beating it down and saying, you may have got my daddy, you may have got my mama, but you will not get me. He, he killed two lion-like heroes of Moab. Now check this out. These were prepared for him. See, if it was, say, lion-like heroes of Moab. Now, now take this out. Uh, Moab, from the father. Generational curses. Scripture says, and the sins of the fathers will be passed down to the third and fourth generations, uh, uh, visiting the iniquity. Say visiting. The word visiting in Scripture, it actually means to pastor, to lead. So here's how generational curse works. If you've never heard it, let me just give it really, here's the skinny on it real fast. All right? Ready? Here, here's how it works. It got everybody else in your bloodline. It's coming for you. The way it got them is because it became their pastor. That's why someone wouldn't go to church. They had a pastor. It was called a curse. So, so it pastored them. It led them. And so watch this. And a curse is an empowerment to fail. See, see, see here's how a curse works. It doesn't matter how you pray. It doesn't matter how you give. It doesn't matter. How, it, none of that matters because a curse will find a way to fail. They looked at somebody where everything they need is set in front of them, and they still find a way. The best relationship they could ever possibly have is like, boop, and they just find a way to just. The best job opportunity they could ever have is set right in front of them, and they find a way to make the company. The company I mean, the company broke every rule to keep them. Y'all don't want to talk to me. Okay. Uh, uh, say that's a curse. Benaiah faced two lion-like curses. Why does it say lion-like? Why does it say lion-like? Because they roar. And if the roar doesn't scare you, they bite. And the goal of the bite is to puncture you so that you bleed to death. And then they devour you. Roar. He killed two. Say two. What two generational things? You could have had a great mom, great dad, praise God for it. That doesn't mean they weren't cursed. You just associate curse with everything, everything being bad. Doesn't mean everything being bad. See, you could have great family fun times, but everybody be cursed financially. <laughs> so everybody at the party dancing on credit. <laughs> <laughs> Y'all not talking. <laughs> All right. It is September. So check this out. <laughs> check this out. Check this out. See, here's the deal. He faced two and he took them down. Say two. Now, 
those two things he took down prepared him. Say prepared him. Because the next verse says he went down in a pit. Say he went down. So literally he has to leave one level of life to go down into a pit to deal, watch this, with a live lion. The first two were lion-like. Once you beat that, then God says, okay, let's up the ante. I'm going to give you the real thing. Some of you are complaining that your battles increase, not realizing it was actually a compliment from God. God was saying, you beat the lion-like thing. Let me give you the real thing. Because you're better than you know. You're stronger than you think. Lay your hands on yourself and say, I'm a winner. He went down into a pit. I got to finish. With a lion. That was a live lion this time on a snowy day. I taught a whole series of messages about this because snow in Hebrew has a lot of deep meanings. <laughs> it has a lot of deep meanings. I taught it. You can go get it on YouTube or our app and all that. But check this out. Which prepared him. So he goes down. After he beats the two lion-like heroes, I'm thinking, he's probably thinking, this is good. Life is good. I'm done. Then God is like, nope. Here's the next step in your preparation. Now you got to go down. I'm going down. Because you ain't around. All right, come on, church. Look, I'll stop the message. Let's have a choir. No, I'm just, I'm just playing. I used to play church as a kid. So, I, There it is. <laughs> I just don't remember the next verse. So uh, we got to move on. Look, that's all right. Watch. I bet you they're going to have him up on the back of the screen for me. Says, Sir, would you like us to do the whole song? Okay, check this out. I bet you think she's good, just like you and I do. Ooh, I just beat that battle in August. Praise him. Then, then God's like, okay, here's the next step in preparation. Time to go down. <laughs> Why? That's where the lion will be. Why do I have to do it in the pit? Because you need to watch this, not have an escape route this time. You're a runner. This time, I'm going to box you in so you can't run. This time, I'm going to box you in so you ain't got nowhere to go. This time, the only way to, I feel like preaching him. The only way you're going to deal with this enemy this time is you're going to have to kill him. Because last time you ran, 17 you ran, 16 you ran, 15 you ran. You ain't running this year. Deal with it. Stop neighbor, high five, say deal with it. Why a pit? Because you ain't leaving this time. You don't get to get a little attitude and talk about I'm quitting this time. God says, I ain't letting you do it. I'll get your finances so low so you can't quit this time. You're going to fight this enemy, and you're going to handle this enemy because that running thing's got to come up out of you. That giving up thing's got to come. You weren't built to quit. You weren't built to give up and fall down. You weren't built to break. He puts him in a pit. I got to finish. He puts him in a pit. I got to finish. He puts him in a pit so that there's no escape except to win. There's certain things you're like, God... I just can't find a way out. And he's like, I know. Stop asking me for a way out. You're in a pit. There is no way out. The only way out is to deal with it. It's quiet. It is quiet. He said, touch the neighbor and say, deal with it. I says, On a snowy day. Now, I don't know about you. I hate the snow. I did a message, several of them, called I hate the snow. I hate the snow. Especially if you live in Denver. And? I hate the snow. I hate it. I hate it. When, when it started getting cold like this now, where I got to turn the heat on in the morning, 
I go to southwest.com immediately. Bing, let me find a flight. I don't like the snow. Bishop, you should go skiing. I don't want to. You should go snowboarding. I don't want to do that. I like warm sports. <laughs> this is me personally. You know, just me. He's in the pit with a lion on a snowy day. It's cold. Yeah, knows when you cold, your hands. He know that one, though. He know that one. Your hands, your hands are, you trying to get in the house. And you're like, can we hurry up? What does that tell us? In the pit, he was growing impatient. All of that. Say, in a, in a pit with a lion on a snowy day. But that prepared him. Because what did he do next? Then he killed a giant Egyptian with his own spear. So, so he kills two generational curses like your neighbor's about to before Wednesday. You can beat a whole lot, but there's two more. For some of you, it's debt. You're going to take the head off of that. For some of you, it's lack. You're taking the head off of that. For some of you, it's discouragement and depression. You're about to take the head off. Here it is. Here it is. I got to finish. So then he, he, does, he wins. Then he goes down. Doom, 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 doom. He goes down. <laughs> when he goes down, he goes down. He's in a pit with a lion on a snowy day. Then after being in a pit with a lion on a snowy day, then he comes up, and now there's this big old Egyptian. Egypt, Egypt in Scripture means narrow, confined, limited. So he, the Bible says, put that verse up. I don't know if I'll be able to finish the message. I think we got him. He, he, he got the spear out of the Egyptian's hand and killed him with his own spear. Now, I think this might have to be, the, the, I might have to close it right through here, but, but uh, 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 there's this movie I like called What's Love Got to Do With It? I like it because I like how anime won. Didn't she win? <laughs> there's this scene in the limo. And in the back of the limo, she, it, Ike was, a, according to the movie, was a womanizer and, and, and a drug user and a cheater and a, you know, a liar, a cheat, and a steal, everything. He's just everything you can think of as this bad man. According to the movie, that's what he was. And so anime is in the back of the limo. And so, and so in the back of the limo, he starts talking rough. And anime says, I'm not in the mood, Ike. <laughs> Whenever the first finger comes out, you know it's, it's, it's about to be something. It's about to be something. She's I'm not in the mood. I, you ain't in the mood. He take, he, 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 he's in the movie, he slaps her, takes his cowboy boot off, and thinks he's going to beat her with the boot. Anime said, <laughs> I killed two lion-like heroes from Moab. I've been in a pit with a lion on a snowy day. This limo is not going to happen like this here. In the limo. In the limo. For the first time, according to the movie, she fights back. So much so while they're driving down, what is it, uh, Sunset Boulevard, wherever they're driving, in LA, they're driving down, and when they're driving down in the scene in the movie, Ike is hollering out the limo. I don't think you understand what happens. In the middle of being attacked, Benaiah says, no, 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 
No. I'm sick and tired of going through the same stuff year after year after year and day after day after day and month after month after month. I'm sick and Is there anybody in here where there's some stuff in your life you can say, I'm sick and tired of I'm sick and tired of it. And so he says, I'm not going to have this. So he snatches the spear out of the Egyptian's hand and then takes the Egyptian down with it. What you saying, Bishop? Everything that's been coming against you, the only reason it's still standing is because you haven't taken its weapon and used it against it. Bishop, what do you mean practically? If you struggle with emotional ups and downs, you better learn how to create an emotional constant up. What's that mean? I'm going to take the down away and use it against itself, which means every time I walk in my house, this is the day that the Lord has made, and I shall rejoice and be made glad in it. All things work together for the good of them that love them. I will use what you used against me to handle you. Somebody say, that's Benaiah. Here it is. Here it is. Dang it. Say that prepared him. Y'all give me five minutes. All right, watch this. Five minutes. Five minutes. So that prepared him. He beats two lion-like heroes. He goes in a pit with a lion on a snowy day. He takes this guy's weapon out of his hand. You got a weapon? Come here. No, not that one. <laughs> Tell it all my secrets. Well, give me your phone. Your phone is a weapon. <laughs> this is your weapon. All right. So he's got his weapon trying to use it. So you're the Egyptian. You're Egyptian. I'm Benaiah. You're the Egyptian. But now it's like, uh-uh. And then the Egyptian's probably like, oh, no. So, like, go run away. Like a dramatization. Like, run away. Run away. But now it's like. And then I think Benai, because he was a warrior, he probably had a little thug in him, so he probably squared up. No, he, no, no I'm saying. No, it probably, then he probably, like, got him, like, 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 every way he could get him. And when he was down on the floor, Benai just went and went and went and went and went and went. Benai's all bloody. And then he's like. Told you not to mess with me. You thought it was going to be a bad day for me. <laughs> if you get bad news, you need to say, you thought this was going to be a bad day for me. I tell you what, I'm going to praise God like I ain't never praised him before. And I'm going to turn this thing. See, it prepared him. Here's, here's what it prepared him for. Number four, he became the highest ranking military person. He became the guy who commanded David's guard. The guys that looked after David, he became, he became the highest guy. Now, say preparation got him there. Benaiah uh, became great because he was willing to pay the price for greatness. Listen to me. We're all built with a desire for greatness. We know this because of the feeling we experience called frustration. Frustration encouraged when your yearning for greatness is stunted by a particular circumstance. Frustration is an indication that there's greatness in you. And hear me, my job as your pastor is to bring out the best in you regardless of what levels of spiritual maturity you have through challenging you through the messages. I am sent here to this region by God. To raise up an army of greatness, not foolishness. And I will not apologize for, being, uh, for not being some weak, passive man that accepts and tolerates anything and everything. Today's, uh, tonight's message, rather, uh, uh, watch this, uh, is about that time that often seems wasted through disappointments, failures, and mistakes. And that time is often misspent, and it shouldn't be misspent. And that is called preparation. Say preparation. 
Now, when you're preparing, give me three minutes, unlearning is the most difficult form of learning. And many people are used to walking in less than great when we're supposed to be walking in greatness. Say great. The word great appears in the Bible over 1,100 times in one form or another, and it means unusual or considerable in degree, power, intensity, wonderful, first rate, very good. Great doesn't mean you won't face some issues. It doesn't mean you won't have trials and tribulations. It just means that when you factor those things in, everything is still wonderful, first rate, and unusually very good. Now, say, God loves me. Great has a fee. Now, now in the Bible, uh, if you want, uh, anybody want greater better. All right, cool. So here it is. There's a biblical pattern we see from people in the Bible like Benaiah. And the majority of time, listen to me, the majority of their lives is spent preparing. <laughs> so to everybody who feels behind schedule, you're not. The majority of life is spent preparing. Think about it. For music rehearsal, they will rehearse for two hours to sing for 20 minutes. Dance practice, you will dance from eight until eight. The dance for four minutes. The pattern in the scripture is this, that most time is spent preparing for something, not actually doing something. Most people misspend that time and see it as wasted time so they don't realize if I don't handle my lion like heroes from Moab, if I don't ha handle my pit, uh, my pit with a lion on a snowy day, if I don't handle the Egyptian and take his weapon from him, if I don't do those things, I'll never be able to receive greater. If I met, what if Benaiah was like, you know what, I'm going to stay in this pit. It's rough. I had a rough life. Uh, there's a reason I'm this way. There's a reason I'm tired. There's a reason I'm this. There's a reason I'm that. There's a reason I'm that. Well, but, but, but then that means you don't want to be great. But you sit next to somebody who made up their mind. Ah, that ain't going to be my story. That's not going to be my life. And here's the cool thing. You've already accomplished some great things, but somebody say there's greater. Your preparation is not wasted time. So let me give you four words. I just got to give you the words, and then I got to quit it, all right? There's four words I want to give you to show you how preparation is never wasted time. First, anticipate. Uh-huh. This is the expectancy part. A woman that is expecting a child anticipated the arrival of a child by faith. Her only proof was that some doctor said something. And they gave her a piece of paper that said, this is in you. Well, look, I can give you a piece of paper, too, and say some stuff in you. She believed it based on his credentials. So God has said some stuff to you, and he's got some good credentials. What did he say? Well, what he said is written in his word. So when I discover what he said in his word, if I believe a doctor's word, why in the world wouldn't I believe God's word? Are you hearing what I'm saying? Say anticipate. In other words, I'm expecting good stuff. I'm not expecting junk and drama. I'm expecting great things. Somebody say, I'm expecting great things. Here's the second thing to uh, maximize your time of preparation. This is the same thing if you look at Benaiah. If I had time to actually carve open his life, you'd see that this is exactly what he did. He spent his life going through those levels of maturity as a disciple. There was four levels of spiritual maturity. He spent his life maximizing his crisis and his failures and his disappointments, and it got him promotion. He didn't get promoted for what he talked about doing. He got promoted for what he did. And too many of us want God to bless us for stuff we thought about doing but didn't do. I saw this preacher on, on the social media the other day, and I was so grieved by what he said because he says, when God decides to bless someone, God can bless anyone whenever he wants to, however he wants to. And if God decides to bless you, I said, this is so crazy. I said, because what you're, what you're saying to people inferred is that he plays favorites. Because then why did he decide to do that for him, but he didn't do it for me? 
if he can do it for whenever, however, whenever he wants to. It's not that he plays favorites. It's just that he's got a process. Y'all not talking. And if I follow the process, the process produces, the process gives me promise. If I follow his steps, then his steps give me success. That's what the book says. It ain't that just God's got some random magical ball and he's like, I'm going to bless this one today, but forget her. That makes him a respecter of persons. That makes him nothing more than a genie. And the Jesus we believe in is not a genie. He's king of kings. He's lord of lords. He's the great I am. And his word shows us the way. So after you anticipate, then you educate. He didn't become guard just because, you know, he had had a couple of battles. He was educated. When David looked at him, David was like, this guy knows what he's doing. I can trust this guy with my life. This is the most important position in the whole kingdom because he controls who sees me, who doesn't see me. He controls who gets an audience with me, who doesn't. He controls the paper flow to get into my office. He controls it. So this is the most important role. So because this is the most important role, I'm giving it to you, Benaiah, because I trust you more than I trust them. Are y'all hearing what I'm saying? Uh, Let me be real practical, church. Uh, Say educate. Spiritually and academically. Now think about this. Get some training. You said, said, Lord, do it. Okay, well, you need to know what to do. Got quiet. Okay, you become what you focus on. If you're not focused on anything, you become nothing. Train yourself. You have a whole college at your fingertips. It's the University of Google. University of YouTube. If somebody don't know something today, it's because they don't want to know. It's not because there's not access to it. People say, I don't know how to do it. You don't want to know how to do it. Because if you wanted to know how to do it, you would have Googled it. Or Yahooed it. Or binged it. Now, check, check this out. In that time, Benaiah educated himself. What knowledge are you lacking? A lot of times when I talk and I mentor business people, they'll, they'll talk to me. And there's a bishop, this, 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 and this. And then I'll say, okay, no, do, boop, boop, boop. And they'll say, well... Oh, how did you do that? I said, well, because I, I know that what you're trying to get, this is how you have to get it. This is how you accomplish that. This is how you make that happen. This is how you accomplish that goal. And, and, the, and the, the point of it is, is that where there was no knowledge, there was fear. So we got all these fears because we don't know. But we don't know because we didn't study. Oh, okay. All right. Let's move on. Move, move on, Bishop. Okay, good. Five minutes. All right, here. Say renovate. So first, you need to anticipate. Say great things. Good things. Okay, then educate. Get some knowledge. Figure some stuff out. Single folk, get some knowledge about the people you're dating. You're taking their word for stuff. You really think they're going to walk up and say, hey, how you doing? I ruined the last three girls' lives. (laughs) They co-signed on a car for me. I haven't paid it. I cheat. Steal. In fact, the only reason I'm talking to you is because your sister wouldn't answer. Would you like to go out? You really think that's what they're going to do? Okay, and then, because I already know, I already know the lady's like, tell it, Bishop. I'm an equal opportunity rebuker. Hey. (laughs) How you doing? I am sloppy, I can't cook, can't clean. Want a king, but I'm not a queen.
and you look like you got a little money. So what I was hoping is we could mess around and have a child and then I'd be set for the rest of my life. Equal opportunity rebuke. Ah, praise him. You really think they're going to do that? Do some research. <laughs> it's quiet in the church, y'all. Y'all got quiet. Listen to how they talk about people from their past. If they're very negative and not self-reflective or corrective, oh, you're next. I can't stand them. What they did to me, I hope that this isn't that. That's why I'm looking for something new. I'm looking for a fresh opportunity. because I can't stand them. What they did, I just can't stand them. They did me dirty. They did me dirty. What you do? I didn't do nothing. I didn't do nothing. I was a good man, good Christian man. And I... All right. Go on and schedule the session now. <laughs> Let's move on. <laughs> Say renovate. Sometimes the greatest enemy is the inner me. We got to create routines that win in our life. I used to have a drinking problem. I drank two Starbucks a day. See how quiet it got? I had to move it real fast because the church got quiet like, but that ain't none of my business. You see how your church folk do? Let me be very clear. Starbucks. Let me be very clear. And wasn't no Starbucks and nothing. Well, just because it got so quiet in here, I thought y'all 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 was gonna leave to about that's why you got to stay prayed up, because sometimes the bishop will be. <laughs> Don't play me, I'm not the one. I am Benaya, I promise you. <laughs> I promise you. That's a fight you don't want. <laughs> I'm just joking. <laughs> now, I, I used to drink two Starbucks a day in one year, one year, which is loaded with a bunch of sugar. It wasn't a winning routine, so I had to change it so my, I, I could change my health. I went to the doctor one year, and, uh, and the doctor, I had gained 15 pounds. And the doctor said, well, what you been doing? I said, nothing. I said, I've been eating the same way I've been eating. She said, um, this was pre, pre-slim. <laughs> this was years ago. And she, said, she says, well, you know, what are you drinking? I said, I don't drink. I'm a man of God. <laughs> I said, so I don't even like your, I don't even like your inference. She said, well, do you drink coffee? I said, oh, sure. She says, well, how many do you have? I said, well, uh, you know, a hot one in the morning and uh, ice one in the evening. I like them to put it in a vintage cup, but I want a tall drink so I can get extra whipped cream. Only two of those a day, though. <laughs> she says, well, do you know how many calories you're having? I said, no, nah, I never stopped check. <laughs> she, said, she said, well, you, you are having way too much. I said, so all of that? I said, it wasn't a steak, huh? She said, no, was that? Say winning routines. You can't just modify behavior without changing your routine. Routines are revealers of self-discipline. So you can choose one of two things. Either you choose the pain of discipline, which comes with sacrifice and growth, or the pain of regret, which comes from taking the easy road and missing opportunities. Benaiah had to create winning routines. You don't beat a lion. Think about it. A lion in a pit on a snowy day. Okay, so this is the lion. Right? This is Benaiah. You're not going to beat him, and you're not in shape. You're not going to beat him and you're not sharp mentally because he's going to come at you and you're going to have to imagine. And we don't know how big the pit was, but we know it was a pit. So this is going to be one-to-one combat with an animal who's built to kill. So you can't come with your B game. You got to come with your A game. Okay, so first is anticipate. What's the second one? Educate. Third one, renovate. Got to change your routine. Here's the last one, cultivate. Say cultivate. 
So, so, so here's this, here, here it is, real simple. Um, you got to cultivate. Cultivate means de- uh, nurture. Um, you got to nurture. Say nurture. You got to nurture what it is that you have. Sometimes you complain that you're buried. You're not buried. You're planted. And you got to nurture where you're at. Sometimes we're looking at what everybody else has, but we're not nurturing what we have. We're looking at everybody else's grass, and our grass hadn't been watered in weeks. Yeah, okay, y'all, y'all, y'all done. And I'm getting ready to close. Uh, <laughs> sometimes we complain about what we have, but we've not maximized it. Sometimes we complain about what's going on, but we've not maximized it. Here's my challenge to you tonight. Look at everything you've gone through as preparation, but now maximize the preparation. Say maximize it. Maximize that preparation. Anticipate, educate, renovate, and then cultivate. Realize that if God allowed you to go through it, there's something good he wants you to get out of it. And so rather than cursing it, look back at it and say, thank you. That made me better. That made me wiser. That made me smarter. It taught me not to do it that way. It taught me not to trust people like that. It taught me uh, to trust people like this. It taught me not to do that. It taught me not to do this. There are certain decisions. I think there are some people in here where you've been through enough hell. Where there are certain decisions. I'm closing the book now. There are certain decisions where you watch this. You're like, uh, Bishop, uh, I pray about everything, but there are certain things that my wisdom taught me. I don't even need to pray about that because wisdom already showed me what not to do. I don't need to pray about friends, whether or not they need to be my friend if I found out they're a liar. Because once I discovered they were a liar, that was all the information. I'm, wisdom taught me that. I took my preparation, and my preparation wasn't wasted time. Say, preparation wasn't wasted. I'm going to tell somebody, maybe you're in your 60s. Well, baby, you're about to live your best life. Maybe in your 70s, you're about to live your best life. Maybe you're in your 50s, you're going to live your best life. Maybe you're in your 40s, but you're still going to live your best life. Maybe in your 30s, you're still going to live your best life. Maybe in your 20s, you're still going to live your best life. Maybe you ain't quite got that far yet. You're still in middle school, high school. You can still live your best life. Why? Preparation is not a waste of time. Somebody say it's not a waste of time. Everything you've been through was designed to get you ready. What would have happened if Tiger Woods never prepared? I don't know a lot about golf. I just know he wins. He said, Bishop, you like golfing? I like driving the cart. I don't know what excitement I get from driving a little car when I have an actual car. What if when it was Tiger's shot, when ever, when all, see, watch this, because when all the other kids were out doing their little thing, you know what Tiger was doing? And, and I, I read his story, and they said that his dad wouldn't let him go do the other stuff um, that the other kids did, if I remember correctly. What was he doing? Dad, can I go play? Uh-uh. Keith is having a house party. Well, you're going to be here hitting the ball. My friends are going out. Well, you're going to be hitting the ball. Well, I'm tired. You're going to be hitting the ball. What if God would have let you slack off? So you complain about something. I'm so tired. I'm so overwhelmed. And you need to be thanking God. Why? He's preparing you. When you wanted to stop, he was like, hit the ball again. When you want to give up, he was like, hit the ball again. When you're like, I can't take no more, he was like, hit the ball again. Ah, God, 
When is it going to turn? When is it going to get better? He says, any time now, it's going to be time for you to get in the game. I needed to finish this message because this is the last Wednesday of this spiritual year. And I need you to understand what this last year was about. If you're like, Bishop Roman, I don't give what you're talking about. Spiritual, you're talking about. They get tons of messages. Ask the Harvest Store. They'll point you in the right direction. With the Hebrew feasts and years and all that. Say, say seven days left. There's seven days left in a year of preparation. Getting ready. Hitting the ball. Hitting the ball. Hitting the ball. Not even a game yet. I'm just... Lord, why is nothing working? Because you're in practice mode, and in practice mode, it doesn't work all the way. Ah, I'm getting ready. I'm getting prepared. I'm getting ready. I'm getting prepared. I'm getting ready. I'm getting prepared. I'm getting ready. getting prepared. And next Wednesday, we will step into 5779. Where the game shifts. Say, the game shifts. The game shifts from practice mode into game mode. All your preparation was not wasted time it was to get you ready for the culmination of when heaven and earth meet at a hebrew feast called the feast of trumpets rosh hashanah and heaven opens over your life and says let the game start so you thought you were actually doing it god was like none of this has been the real thing
all know a guy who only occasionally shaves for big occasions, and it's because that occasional shave really hurts. It's the time of year for big occasions, and yet there he is, suffering with that cheap drugstore razor. Let's help him out. Henson Shaving's line of razors, built with aerospace precision, deliver a smooth shave your dad, brother, and even son can enjoy, eventually. With replacement blades just 10 cents each, you'll buy it once, and they'll use it for life. How's that for the perfect gift? Celebrate with 100 free blades on your first purchase, and no subscription headaches. HensonShaving.com slash holiday. Ah, feel the woe with Listerine at BJ's. You can save $2.50 now on Listerine products like Total Care Anti-Cavity Fluoride Fresh Mint Mouthwash or Cool Mint Pocket Packs Fresh Breath Strips at your nearest BJ's location. Experience the feeling of a million germs zapped in seconds with Listerine. Discount available through December 24th. Save now only at BJ's. 